0: would you do
1: if you could do anything? Welcome to The Purpose Effect. I'm Elena. Join me for weekly conversations on purpose with women who have found it and are impacting their worlds with it
0: ask me because i've been i've been working in, in radio for the longest time now and said so why do i still get excited speaking to people because i personally still find it so interesting that i learn from everyone i meet, right and that i come from a curious perspective and, and 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 so when i most of the time i would interview entrepreneurs right and i would like to get to the heart of what they're doing and if someone heard that interview if one person heard that interview and said wow i learned something from that interview i would have impacted one life right
1: I speak to women who are building businesses, have turned their passions or side hustles into careers, or have dedicated their lives in service of others. I hope that by collecting these stories, I can offer you tangible lessons on how to discover, build, and grow purpose in your own lives. So let's get started. My guest today is Frida Liu, broadcast interviewer, writer, speaker, and futurist. Frida epitomizes growth mindset and what it means to live a portfolio life. Could curating portfolio careers make all of us, but particularly women, more resilient to the huge disruptions our work lives are going through? If we tear down the career ladder, what does success look like? And why is it so important to make an impact, no matter the size? So thank you so much, Frida, for being here. And as I was saying just earlier, when I first started this podcast and when I was thinking about the kinds of conversations I wanted to have and the woman whose stories I wanted to share, your name was at the top of that list. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much uh, for agreeing to to be a guest on The Purpose Effect. Uh, Besides being someone who, at least from my perspective, has very intentionally built a career around leading with purpose and empowering I mean, particularly women, but all people in their professional journeys, you're also extremely generous in, in sharing your learnings on your various platforms and your time with people like me. So thank you very much for that. Always
0: a pleasure. And I think that's, you know, like I think you've, I've been given a, a platform um, and I feel that that is, you know, if I've been given a platform, I should share, right? And, and not to, you know, whatever I can share, if, if you think it's, you know, um, Not what was that? Was that that uh, that quote from Simon Sinek? Right, confidence is knowing you're good, and arrogance is thinking you're better than others. Right, I like to be able to think that I'm confident. Right, and and that doesn't come from. And we have to acknowledge the gifts that we're given. Right, and and use them, and share and share with whatever you've been given. Right, and since I've got a platform, uh, not by design. Right, by default in terms of my career. If you're going to ask about that, a lot of it has been has been by default. But then. I think the last 10 years has a little bit been more about design.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for using your platform in such an empowering way. It certainly inspired me to see, I think, the possibilities that portfolio careers can bring and also the importance of skill stacking in designing your career. And I think this is a growing trend. So, I wanted to start by asking you my favorite question, and it's also the question that I ask everyone who comes onto this podcast, and that is, "What does purpose mean to you?"
0: Oh wow! Um, and that's a lot of uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, soul searching, right? And and I, I think I don't, I can't speak for others, but for me, it's about impacting others, right? Impacting others, and in with the with whatever that you've been asked to do. Um, Okay, so I'm a bit spiritual in that sense, right? And I believe that, like I said, this whole getting into broadcasting, getting into this space was never by design and how just opportunities have opened up for me in this space, right? So, And so if I've been given a voice, then my voice would be to impact others. The things that I believe in and the causes that I believe in, um, which is about education, Right and the long, education for everyone. I think every every child should be given access to education. Something that I believed in for the longest time, because I look at back at my own life. I don't come from a privileged background, but because I've had an education, I was able to do something, and that is I think a basis for everybody. So that's and then along the way, then it became then you you realize things about gender equality. You realize yeah. about the little things and and you know what holds certain women back, and it's because they weren't given. The basics, which is in education, right? So, but I think at the end of the day, uh, the purpose the purpose will be to impact lives. We and as my life still evolves and changes, you don't know in what manner it'll come on later. But everything that I do should impact, right? As in. Uh, people ask me, because I've been, I've been working in, in radio for the longest time now, and said, so why do I still get excited speaking to people? Because I personally still find it so interesting that I learn from everyone I meet, right? And that, I come from a curious perspective. And, 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 and so when I, most of the time, I would interview entrepreneurs, right? And I would like to get to the heart of what they're doing. And if someone heard that interview, if one person heard that interview and said, wow, I learned something from that interview, I would have impacted one life, right? And that, it's what keeps me going I don't have to think about the thousands I don't have to think about the millions but if I've impacted one life I've impacted someone's life right Yeah,
1: I agree with that I think certainly in the last year that's something that I've thought about a lot Um, I think COVID has given us all time to reflect a little bit and I've also become a little bit more spiritual in the sense that I really feel that you need to positively impact somebody else you need to pass the torch even if it's just to one person. You've had such a a varied career journey from from PR to broadcasting to journalism, writing, speaking. And when you sort of look back at the career decisions you've made at certain junctures, do you see like a, a common thread that runs through your work?
0: Um, I was thinking about it. It was like it must be it must be communication, right? Everything uh, stems from communication, and it started with PR. And then, of course, I've been uh, now. I've been on the other side. I've done radio. I've done TV. I've written. So I've I've done the gamut. But I think it is about communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also look back and think, oh yeah, when I was young, I like doing this. I like you know, I like uh, taking part in debates. I like doing this sort of thing. So it must be. Uh, something that I was want um, to do, right? You know, um, so yeah, I would say communication would be the thread, yeah. and we like to put people in boxes, yeah. right? You know, it's, <laughs> I like to put myself in a box. Like, what what am I, Frida? And I said, like, okay, okay. If there was a common thread, it's got to be communication. Yeah. yeah,
1: and storytelling, I guess, whether that's personal storytelling or or telling the stories of the people that you're interviewing, the entrepreneurs that you're interviewing, um, on radio. Sure. Um, and also some of the entrepreneurs that you've interviewed in your in your books, um, I was flicking through uh, your book "Bursting Fixed Mindsets," where you talk to a series of uh, women entrepreneurs, Malaysian women entrepreneurs, about their business journeys. What were some of the most powerful lessons that
0: you learned um, in your oh. research and in your work on that? Okay, okay. So uh, I was thinking about three. You asked about, you know, about two or three. Okay, all right, let me try it. Okay, the first one was uh, the whole, uh, this is a story about Christy Young from Christy Young Shoes, right? And that's about gender equality, right? And gender equality, and she gave it from a different perspective because she said, you know, by default, I sell women's shoes, so women tend to apply for the work there. But then she said she started hiring... Men, right? And said, you know, men are bigger risk takers. Men are less you know, they, they, they think less about making the next move, right? Whereas women tend to, you know, dwell a little bit more. And, and I know what she's trying to get at, right? But and and how you need both both genders to make something work. And that's what is I think too too many of women, too many men, um no, it, it isn't isn't good when you have gender equality in every sense of the word, you look at the business differently. You look at everything a little bit differently, right? When you have gender equality. So that message came across not from the point of, you know, um, two too little women, but a case of too many women at the same time, right? So it's like how how then it, it really is important, right? That we should try to to work towards that. And that's something very important, right? I think it and then of course I won't even go into the whole story of diversity and inclusion because that's a whole chapter, um, you know together altogether. together the other lesson was from uh Antam. tom and is from ace adventures she started a couple of schools too which is the Sri Ama schools and the three amas schools uh Ama, which is the first entrepreneurial school for kids and she talked about finding a mentor right so you you and i and i, I remember the time you were born then Elena. <laughs> uh, but when when we had you know when we don't have mentors when we don't have you know like LinkedIn to, you know, search for people and all that, right? And her first mentor was buying a book from John Maxwell about leadership, Mm -hmm. right? So she didn't, he didn't know that she was a mentee, but like how there's such, we have to be very resourceful from where, from what we can learn, where we can learn right now. We've got the internet, we've got Google, there's TED Talks you can listen to, but the thing is, we, we don't have to wait for someone to mentor mm-hmm. us. We can search out for these mentors ourselves and it can come in many forms, right? It can come in, in like I said, in your books, uh, you know, attending online seminars or what have you. But that was a very important lesson, right? Because we were thinking, oh, but no one's going to help me. No one's going to do this. Well, you can help yourself because information is out there. You can get the information you want, right? And there really is no excuse. You don't have to wait for someone to get started, on this whole aspect, right? So that was that was one thing. Um, another, uh, actually all of them were very useful lessons and I was like, where's my book? I forgot what I wrote. Uh, there was this, uh, uh, uh Sharla Aksit, right? And she is from the uh, Center of Data Scientists, the CATS Academy in Asia. And she said, be a game changer. If you want to go into everything, be a game changer. So the premise of my book was to interview women who have earned revenues in excess of a million ringgit, right? Because, okay, the reason behind that is also, do you know that only about 10% of women There are only 20% of businesses in Malaysia that are owned by women. And from that 20%, based on my question to the National Association of Women Entrepreneurs Malaysia, only 10% of that earn revenues in excess of 500,000 ringgit. So that's 90% that don't. So I wanted to speak to women, you know, who are earning those kind of revenues. And she said, be a game changer. So she said that for all this... for the longest while, she was already profitable, earning pretty good money. But the moment she decided to go into the uh, data science space and it was a whole new market, she said, okay, let me do something and be a game changer, right? And not just be a follower and a, a, and a copycat, yeah. right? And so by being a game changer, by taking the risk of being a game changer, her revenues, you know, went in excess to a lot more because she decided to be game changer. So whenever we do something, are we game changers in our space? Are we, Or are we just, you know, copying people? So I would say, like, these will be the, the, some of the main lessons you know, that I got from the, the 15 women that I spoke to. But Like these, you know, so like whenever I do something right now, am I doing this just like I'm doing it? Or am I doing it because this will change the game? I will be a game changer in this space, right? So um, just things to think about, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that
1: resonates because something that I've noticed in uh, the woman that I've spoken to um, Mm. through the Purpose Effect is many of them have quite a strong sense of intuition. And when it comes to thinking about how do I be a game changer or how do I change the game, you need to have like quite a strong sense of intuition and quite a lot of confidence in what your gut is telling you if you're going to Mm. pursue that. For example, if you're going to go in a space like data science, which was Mm. nascent at that time, um, Mm like seeing the opportunity is one thing, having the confidence to chase yep. it is another thing. And that is something that I'm very interested in learning more about. What is it about someone's mindset that, right. um, that gives them the confidence to, to go after the things that their gut is telling them, uh, are the opportunities. Yep. Uh, you've also juggled multiple jobs for years. In addition to all of the work you do, you've also found time to write six books. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, where does this drive come from? Are you part of the five AM uh, club?
0: No, <laughs> Lord, no, uh, no. I, okay, I'll tell you about the the. All of them uh, have been like. Triggers a you know a, a, a story right like bursting fixed mindsets. Mm-hmm. That book was because I bought a book called The Million Dollar Club. It was written by this woman in America, and I was like, you know, I wonder what this. And she sort of like wrote about different women as well in America, and I was just like, what is the what is a Malaysian uh, perspective or the Asian perspective, mm-hmm. right? And and that got me doing research about. Malaysian women, or uh, Malaysian-owned businesses, right, uh, by women. So that got me thinking, and like, you know, what is the figure? Can we change that figure in Malaysia? I think the last book for me was actually written during the MCO, right, during the lockdown. It was just a case of like, you know, The first, I think the first two weeks for me, I'm sure it is for a lot of people, was like really depressing as it is. And thank God I was still, you know, I've got a job. uh, We go to the studio every other week where there's a team. But then you're just like, how the the time, there was time just sort of stood still. And yet you don't know, you know, it's just like Groundhog Day, right? And so I just said, okay, look, let me do something productive during this time uh, instead of watching Netflix. Or if I want to watch Netflix, it's only after a thousand words. Okay. A day. All right? So over 40 days, that was 40,000 words. Right? Right? So so maybe, you know, so it's a little, okay, no no TV, nothing, no entertainment until you've done the homework. Because otherwise, what else would you be doing? Right? Because uh, it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole, right? Of catching it on Netflix as well. So I said, okay, let me... And, and so it was just a baby born. Uh, really, I think it was nine months. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote the book, and then I decided, okay, let's let me try uh, with a different publisher because I've worked with uh, a MPH for a long time. Let me just try a different publisher out in Singapore um, and see, you know, what are the requirements like, and see if they will take me up, you know. And then, so I sent them, and uh, I don't know them from Adam. They don't know me from Adam, which is what I, which is what I wanted as well, right? Uh, because they don't know who I am. And so I then wrote them and said, "Okay, here's one chapter of my book. Uh, are you interested?" And they said yes. And it's like, wow, okay. And that resulted in the sixth book, right? And it was just like, just I guess to get a little bit out of the comfort zone instead of doing the tried and tested. So that book was was out of of that that period and I just wanted to and during that period I was doing other things as well as doing other courses but I just wanted to be as productive as possible now where do I get this from I don't know you know sometimes um things annoy me uh, uh, um, things you, you know the whole aspect what can you change right you can only change yourself right so when when things annoy me you can I always look at it visually as this energy right and it's energy that it, that drives you, you can drive you to anger or resentment or what have you, or let me use that energy and channel it into something positive, right? So I, I think when we can actually sort of like look at it and say, I've, I've got this energy right now, I don't want to get angry with anyone, I don't want to be, you know, angry with the government, I don't be angry with any of this, right? Let me, let me use this energy and turn it into something positive. So I have that visualization of, of turning that energy right, um, into something positive instead. Oh, that's a really helpful
1: and interesting mindset uh, trick. One thing that I have done similar is um, my therapist told me to envisage, you know, if the energy feels red to you, um, right. envisage changing the color into a color that you ah. find empowering.
0: Um, you see, this is where I've learned something from you. <laughs> Right. So, okay. See, now I've got that picture as well. It's red. Let me turn it to green. I like that. So he said
1: to imagine a circle and you're in the middle of it and inside the circle with you is this red energy and you want to, outside of the circle is, for me, the the positive energy is blue. Hmm. So outside of the circle is blue energy and imagine yourself pushing the red out and then that makes space for the blue to come in.
0: Um mm, okay, learn something new every day yeah. okay it's a similar
1: way of the, of doing of doing the same thing. I wanted to talk about building portfolio careers um and I think more people are doing this, and Covid mm-hmm. um, partly out of necessity or uncertainty, has accelerated this. You've been doing this for many, many years now, (laughs) (laughs) well before COVID made this a necessity. Um, What attracts you to the portfolio life? And would you encourage women in particular to build these kinds of careers?
0: I I definitely think so. Um, I Also... It's also personality, right? Because I can't sort of like say, you know, it it fits everybody, but I've always been like this, right? So uh, I just realized that even when I was working uh, in the PR and in IBM, uh, I was already a TV and radio news uh, reader, part-timer. And then when I did this, it's like, you know, I feel like I just, but I'm interested in doing other things as well, right? So by writing the book, that gave me an opportunity to be a speaker. um, and, And then, okay, this this is something that I learned last year, and this is going to be a useful useful piece of information. Um, and I think I've con- unconsciously done this uh, without knowing the, the the logic behind it. So last year I did a course in design thinking, right? And In this aspect, in design thinking, they say look out for the weak signals. There are weak signals and there are strong signals, right? Strong signals are the obvious things, like uh, I don't know, maybe in Japan, it's obvious it's an aging population, right? So these are what's going to happen right now when when um, you know. It is an aging population. What are the the factors the government has to do? What an individual has to do? That sort of thing, right? Now, the weak signals, and I'll give you from a corporate perspective, right? Uh, Kodak did not pay attention to digital film or digital, right? Although they invented it, right? So they didn't pay attention to those weak signals. Nokia did not pay attention to the smartphone, right? And then, you know, within a couple of years, from a 40% market share to nothing, right? Now, you look at the weak signals in your life, right, and the weak signals in your industry and think, right? I mean, we, we always want, we're always surprised when someone says, I've lost my job, duh, duh, you know, this job is now redundant. And are, are we surprised? Are we really surprised? Or did we choose to put our head in the sand, right? Um, and so, in the weak signals, let me just share... Because uh, I, I, this was my exercise for, for my course last year, and you look at it from an industry perspective, and you look at it from an individual perspective. And he says, "What are the, the look at technology? How is technology affecting your industry? How is the technology affecting you?" Right? Okay. Let me. Uh, consumer behavior. I'll give you an example in radio. The last, you know, last year there were any there were hardly anybody on the road. Were they listening to radio in the car? right? And most people don't listen to radio at home anymore. Who's got a radio at home? Yeah. Right? Okay, so that is a a, a consumer behavior. Now, has is that consumer behavior going to be a permanent change? Well, be on the lookout. Uh, regulatory, right? What are, what's, what's happening? Like, if you look at, um, uh, 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 the you know, we need a broadcast license, like in the case of radio, right? Not everybody's doing on the internet with a podcast. Do you need to worry about you know, regulatory issues. So, do I have to worry about competition? Uh, Because competition isn't just another radio station. So, I'll give you that. Um, Mm -hmm. New distribution channels. So, how is then, how is, if I'm looking at myself, right? uh, So, for example, we were just radio, now we have to do a lot more things digitally, right? So, Frida is just on radio. So, Frida has to look at ways of doing things digitally, right? So, I've got to look at how, how can Frida be best spread uh, with new distribution ch- channels, right, and non non traditional comp- competition, right. So, like, you know, in the early days, another radio station will be another competitor. But what is, what is competition to to radio right now? Anything that takes anyone else's attention is competition, yeah. right? Uh, so you, Netflix is competition, right? So, so, so these are the things they talk about weak signals, and so I think I was always a bit very wary of. Where things are gonna be in the future, and so I was very conscious about experimenting with new things. But it wasn't. But at the same time, it wasn't also about the worry of something else or money. But it was also new areas of interest, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that I did that the postgraduate diploma in design thinking, um, and then I did a, got myself certified as a futurist. You know, so it's just like, how does it all connect back to what I'm doing? I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah. Right? I don't know yet, but there are things that interest me, right? So, just, and, and so, but just doing this course made me realise that, uh, you know, when you look at where you are right now, wherever you are, are you um, secure wherever you are? Um, at the sign, you know, we, we grew up with secretaries. Well, when, did, when did we last have a secretary, right? Um, we grew up with jobs that don't exist anymore, right? So, in the banking industry, right, uh, with FinTech on the rise, how relevant is your job, yeah, right, so just that's 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 the the, the 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 logical side of thinking, but I think the emotional side was just like you know try different things because you don't know um and be curious like I think like that's probably what you and I have be curious and just see what's out there, you know the whole what what drives me i don't know what i don't know, and there's and there's so many things i don't know,
1: yeah i I mean, I think that's one of the things that drives me. I'm just a very curious person and I like finding out lots of things about lots of things. Mm, like mm. <laughs> I have a lot of interests and I like to read extensively. I like to learn a lot of things about a lot of things. But I, I think one of what you were just saying there about future proofing, mm, in a sense, in yourself a sense. Yeah. Um There are a few trends that have emerged out of COVID and how we've had to work Mm. that I think are really going to impact what the future of work looks like for us all. So the the remote flexible work, which we've all had to do as a necessity, I think that's actually here to stay in Mm -hmm. some form. Mm. Um, I think it was already beginning pre-COVID and now COVID has really normalized that. And I think because of COVID's impact on many people's careers uh, and many people, many industries, some people have had to make their side hustles, their main hustles, or have had to set up side hustles purely in order to, to make ends meet. But I also think that there's a growing sense that people want to feel one more fulfilled in their work lives, but they also want to feel like they have more control. Yep. Um, and so, I think for a while, traditional career paths haven't worked for women. Yes. And one of the reasons why I want to focus on purpose is because I believe that if, if when you look at your work life, if you're focusing on a purpose or a mission, then you're rather than a profession or a job title, then I think you're in a better position to be able to see opportunities like you do in all kinds of spaces. Yep. And I I think and I hope that COVID-19 might have positively changed the future of work, particularly for women, because if you're focused on a mission rather than a position, mm. then you're more resilient to some of the, um, the issues that many women face, for example, when they decide to start families or, as I've recently found out also through peri- menopause and menopause. These are the two times that uh, women are most often leaving the work, the workforce. Mm-hmm. I think you become more resilient to those. If you can find ways to develop a work life that you have more autonomy over and yeah. you've sort of self-designed, but I'm very interested to know what you think, whether you think that COVID has been
0: a catalyst for this. Uh, and if so, in, in what ways? Right. Okay. Uh, Okay, I, can I speak on, I can't speak of, on behalf of other women, but if you're talking about, um, um, I hope it's been a wake-up call for people in general, right? Not just, not just women, but in, in, you know, just, just generally on what is important, right? If you take away everything, and you're, you're right, right? Yeah, about this purpose and this mission, if you take away the job titles, right? Then you get more clarity because it's like, you know, otherwise you get up the top of the ladder and it's like, I didn't want to get up on this ladder anyway, Right, you know, yeah. and so, like, what defines you? I think it's a little bit more uh, people, are a little bit more clear about that, right? If I can earn a living now, um, one of the things that I I don't uh, I'm going to sort of connect this with with about the, the wheel of life, right? That's one of the things mm-hmm. that that drives me a lot, right? My wheel, my wheel of life, where I look into. Um, What's important for me financially, what's important for me um, in terms of my faith, what's important in terms of my fitness, what's in terms of, you know, they're, they're, If just do a, do a search, right? I can go, you know, but these, I make sure family and friends, right? These things are important and maybe, for example, uh, maybe when your child is very young, you, you won't have as much time, social time with your friends, but don't lose touch, of yeah. your friends completely right because they are uh, they are a very important part of being fulfilled right friendship right that's important to me uh because I, and and this comes from experience right because after the uh, the 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 breakdown well the breakdown of my marriage right I'm so glad that I had invested time with friends who were there for me, right? If it was just about the family and the son and suddenly something like this happens and I don't have a job and I don't have uh, friends, right? Or I don't have my faith. It would have been a very difficult period. So so I always look at people, look at the wheel of life, what's important to you? And I do this, right? Especially now at the year end, uh, and the beginning of a new year and say, what are some new things that I want to look at? So like I said, you know, um, and so I've been very conscious about that because like 10 years ago when my son was eight, right? He needed me more physically, and, and the kind of thing. He still needs me in his own way, right? Uh, but but um, I, I'm glad I invested that time there, knowing that in 10 years' time, he's going to be 18, and he won't need me as much. So what do I have to do in preparation for the 10 years, right? And I think people just need to build a little bit. It's not about being visionary. Just to know that... Five years gonna pass, ten years gonna pass, and how ready are you for the next stage in your life, whatever it may be, right? So, like you, you talk about perimenopause and menopause. I don't know. Has it, has it been? Is it just me, or has it been really hot? So, (laughs) 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 so so I'm, I'm at a point in my life, right? And you start looking, and you start being aware of what's happening in your body, and so you you consult. you know, this is the path. I look at my mother. She didn't have any major issues going through menopause. But then I have to look at, I know it's going to happen, right? I don't want it to be full of surprises. I don't want to hear the stories that I hear from other people. What do I have to do now in preparation for that, right? So, so, so I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering a question, but it's also having that a little bit of uh, foresight of what's going to happen. If, if, the, if, if anything with the pandemic, you know, you never know what's going to happen, right? So as much as, and of course, we've lost control of a lot of things, but at the same time, you can have control of a lot of things, right? And so another pandemic might hit, you yeah. know, right? So are you, you, know, you going to be surprised when it ha- happens again or are you going to be prepared for it, right? The worst has happened. I hope this is the worst. Well, there's World War III. But anyway, you know, <laughs> the, you know so are you prepared for these things that's going to happen, right? Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think that wheel of life that you were talking about, Mm. um, I think that's very helpful in just building resilience, right? Because if you, if you're focusing on, as you say, the different compartments of Mm. your life and making sure that all of those cups are, you know, relatively full at any one time, then you become more resilient to whatever shocks you might experience in different, in different parts of your life. Yeah, I think COVID has certainly taught me that we can't take anything for granted, mm. um, to be a little bit more comfortable with with what you can't control. Mm. And then, you know, maybe to look at the most important things like family, for example, mm. your personal connections, your spirituality, mm. those, those things that, that you can control yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a common experience of the past 18 months that many people have slowed down and reevaluated their lives. Mm. Um, and have you had any other big realizations in this time?
0: Uh, any other big realizations? Uh, I have to redefine, okay, it's not a big realization, I have to redefine fun, right, because it was always the holidays, there's <laughs> always the holidays, and I really love my, and who doesn't, but what I'm saying is my holidays are always meaningful, as in, like, I would incorporate a run, I would, you know, like, so that was something I really look forward in planning, and so I have to look at redefining what fun is, right, and so, uh, so, so it it was, it was not, you take up new things, you know, you do classes, you do poor art, you do different sort of things, right, to just sort of redefine. So no, nothing major. Um, you, you, take, you, know, you go through this period, like I said, of, you know, bewilderment, and then you say, okay, what can I do? What can I control, right? So uh, I, I'm grateful I still have a job at that time that pays the bills, you know, so uh, pay cut or not, at least it's still, you know, there was still something coming in, right? So I think that really helped, yeah.
1: And do you have sort of any non negotiables in your work life?
0: Non negotiables, yeah. Um, I, okay. I think like every company I've joined has been one of the values would be flexibility right? Because, you know, like the first job I had, I had a part-time job. They didn't seem to have an issue. Well, for IBM, and I had a part-time job, and they didn't have an issue. So, I'm, uh, you know, even where I am right now, and I'm doing other things, non-competitive, obviously. But, you know, so I think, like, flexibility is a very important value for me. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think that would be, I guess, a non-negotiable, that you give me the liberty to do other things. And if that doesn't happen, then mm, I'll to have to look elsewhere.
1: Yeah. So even at yeah. IBM, you were working. Part yes. time. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it was. It was okay. Uh, I'll I'll tell you the story. Uh, I recently gave a talk to the. I was offered two jobs. One with the bank. Uh, and I recently gave a talk at the bank, and I, I didn't oh, really? really share that the that you whole turned story. down <laughs> the, the bank that I turned down. Okay. So yeah yeah you, you have to think about what what at that point right okay money shouldn't ever be a. Uh, uh, a main factor for taking in a job. So, so this was IBM and then there was a bank, right? Two different industries and you know, I was about late 20s at the time and joining the bank would have made uh, great sense because it was offering a lot more than IBM and, uh, you know, like you're thinking of getting a bank loan and all that, right, I should work for a bank and all that. But uh, before I signed a dotted line, they said you have to, you know, quit your job as a newsreader. I said, but I just do it in the weekends, right? And if, if work happens to, over the weekend, then I just cancel, but I... Don't want to give this up," said. "No, everybody will know that you work for this bank, so uh, it would be embarrassing to think that we're not paying you enough." And I was like, "Wow, this is before I signed a dotted line, right?" Then I had a chat with IBM, and they said, "Yeah, no problem." And it's like, "Okay, uh, I think I think I can connect with this com- with this company a lot more, right?" So they were very flexible in a sense; they didn't see it's comp- it wasn't competition at all, right? And it didn't interfere with work. So that was that was one thing, and I think um, and to to make that such an important factor when money seemed more attractive then um, must be an important value for me, right? So, yeah. Yeah, if, if even so at system. that
1: time you were prioritizing sort of the flexibility and the ability mm-hmm. to pursue other interests over money. Yeah. So yeah. then what does success mean to you if it's not wrapped up in money? Ah.
0: Wow. Um, I think you need to have goals. You need to have, you know, always be moving towards different goals, um, and, you know, like if I were to set a goal, uh, I just sat down with someone and said, "Okay, uh, my goal is to to the essence of who I am should be about impacting lives, right?" Then you can set a goal and say, "Have I impacted a million lives, right? And in in whatever in whatever way or whatever form, right? That you look at impacting lives, whether it's through courses, whether it's through speaking, whether it's through that, right?" So, um, I. I For me, I would, I know that I'm the sort of person who will probably work till the dying breath, right? I mean, and it wouldn't be because of money, right? But it's the fact that I was doing something that I enjoyed, I was making a difference and with whatever energy that I have, you know, that to me, a life life fulfilled, and because and, I'll give you, I'll share the story about my dad, right, he died two months short of his 60th birthday, and he was a great father, uh, a wonderful father, and four kids, and he got ill the moment he heard, I'm the youngest, the moment he heard that I had, I had graduated, and it was like, I looked at him, and I think that he was holding on until like his his work has been fulfilled, like right? his role as a father has been fulfilled, um, and when he was um, when he was when he and he's a he's a talented musician, he played the he he could play music by ear, pick up the piano, pick up the trumpet and everything. And I think that if it wasn't for that time and the responsibilities as a man and sort of thing, would he have just gone off and? Been in a band because I had an uncle. Well, I had an uncle, which is again pretty radical, coming from Borneo, right? My an uncle in the '60s going to New York to join a band, right? So this, so so this is you know this 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 is and dad would have, you know. Uh, so I don't want to die with the music in me. That's what I'm trying to say, right? You know. So I you know uh, how many more notes will there be in there? I don't know, but I just want to make sure that I, I play every note. Uh, before I go, and that would be success. That is a beautiful sentiment, and such a beautiful image as well of um,
1: making sure you've played out all of the notes before um, before it's your time yeah. to move on. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. So, this is kind of related, but I suppose if you were to go back in time and give some advice to the much younger Frida, maybe the one at the beginning of her career, what would you tell her, knowing what you know? from this side of your work life
0: right right okay from from a career perspective uh no, I, th- I don't think I would have done anything differently. You know, I mean, uh, don't, don't be in a hurry, uh, in a sense. I think I to t- tell Frida the personal uh, other aspect is like, I think I one of the, the, the breakdown with the marriage, right? I mean, you can blame the man and say it's his fault, but at the same time, you know, where did you contribute to that? And if I look at the Wheel of Life, I think I didn't pay enough attention. You know, in the relationship aspect, right before it all crumbled, I mean you know that was you I had a role to play in that, right, so if I were to say anything you know to make sure that's why the that was a wake up because I've always known about the wheel of life I never practiced it right so so now looking back, wow, I should have paid more attention uh when the when the child came along, right, you tend to forget about that side, and it is in that I have a role to play, right, so if I were to tell myself. You Know if you just do have invested more time in that relationship, so um, yeah, more that. that's very valuable for someone
1: like me with young children, still in that phase, I suppose. Oh, um, because <clears throat> I'm the same, you know, I've known about the wheel of life for a while, I don't practice it, right? <laughs> right? Right? Maybe I right. should start,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, then what's next for you? Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's an exercise I'm actually going to do this week. Uh, what's next for me? I, I think there are a couple of uh, things that interest me right now. Like I said, like design thinking and futurist. What does that mean in the workplace? How will things change? I don't know how that will evolve at the moment. Like you know, so I've written, so like you've written six books. So you're right, you know, I've got to be inspired to write another one. Maybe it be in the form of an ebook. I don't know, but the topic has to be right. Uh, I would love to do things more on a, on a global on a global stage, right? To do things on a global stage, and with technology, it is now possible. So, so um, you know, I guess um, coming up with more things, um, and. You know, on a on a global scale, but I've got to be very clear about what it is that I'll be sharing, right? And I, I still love. I, I'll tell you what I still love, right? I still love the story of of sustain sustainable companies, right? I love the story of social enterprises. I love the idea of you know uh, design thinking. I love all these things. I don't know how it will uh, manifest as yet, right? I've got I, I've got a couple ideas, but um, watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I will. I'll be watching that space with with so
1: much interest because so many of those things are things I'm really interested in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But thank you so much, Frida, for your time. This has been a wonderful chat. Um, So many nuggets of wisdom that I'm going to have to go back and and think about uh, in more depth. Uh, So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your stories so generously.
0: Thank you for the opportunity
1: Thanks for tuning into my conversation with Frida Liu. If you'd like to find out more about Frida's work or the books she's written, her website is in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or click follow if you're listening on Spotify and leave me a review. Until next week. Bye.